morning. Please open your Bibles. We're going to read from the book of First Corinthians, chapter eleven, verse one. We're just going to read that verse today. And here, the the apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth, telling them the following: First Corinthians. 11, 1. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Let's please take some time to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, for your love. We ask, Lord, that as we start this morning, this discipleship series, you help us to meditate all this time on what it means to imitate Christ, to be an imitator of Jesus. We pray for your Holy Spirit to work in us, in our hearts, and to put in us the will and also the do. In the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So today we are starting... uh, Seven-week teaching series, sermon series, about the topic of uh, biblical discipleship. Many of you, a few weeks ago, have taken a a survey. So I will encourage you to be here these coming weeks. And if you're, for some reason, not able to be here, it's good that these uh, teachings are being recorded. So if you miss some, you just go to our website in the church and you're able to listen. Because at the end of these seven weeks, sermons, we're going to feel that again. And one of the things that you're going to realize as we talk about this is how this is a very practical subject. We are called to imitate Christ. We are called to be like Christ. And as the first teaching and sermon of today, that's basically what we're going to talk about. Why? Why discipleship? And discipleship is for Christ-likeness. Discipleship for the purpose of Christ-likeness. If you're going to remember a word from today, that's going to be the only one. Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness. Because everything we're going to talk about in the coming weeks is about that. Christ-likeness. Discipleship 
for the purpose of Christ-likeness. And then we're going to learn ways in which we grow into being like Christ. Things like Christ-likeness in our prayer life, Christ-likeness in our Bible intake, Christ-likeness in our fasting, Christ-likeness in our obedience to the Word of God, Christ-likeness in our love and fellowship with one another, Christ-likeness also in our reaching to the lost, in our evangelism efforts. So everything is about Christ-likeness, growing into being like Christ. And as you can see, this is a very practical issue because these are things that we are that we are called to do, that we are ought to be doing, not just knowing it, but also applying that in our life. And by the end of this series, my goal is that we move our life a little bit more to the right in terms of doing those things, right? That's what we do in this time here while we grow into being like Christ. We move our life into Christ-likeness more and more and more as we mature as Christians. And what is discipleship? Discipleship is the process of learning the teachings of Jesus and following after his example in obedience through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is a very important point. It is not through our own strength. It is not relying in our efforts. It is relying in the power of the Holy Spirit, even though the Bible also calls us to make every effort. We're going to see that too. And so that's what is discipleship. This learning and following after, after the teachings of Jesus, following after his example. And in addition to that, discipleship involves the process of making others disciples through the teachings of evangel- and evangelism. So in discipleship, there is two components that are very important. Number one, we are Christ-like. And number two, we help and equip others to be Christ-like too. We are and we help. Those two things are important in this process. And the aim, right, of discipleship is Christ-likeness, as I said. Remember that word. Because Christ-likeness is the final goal of eternal salvation. What do we read in Romans 8, 29? To be conformed to the image of his son. So as we start this series today, and as an introductory introduction sermon, we are going to go through five things that I, that I think are very pertinent when we talk about the subject of discipleship and Christ-likeness. The first one is, as I, as I have indicated, discipleship is done for the purpose of Christ-likeness. Discipleship is done for the, pre- for the purpose of being conforming to the image of Christ, of imitating Christ, of being like Christ. Number two, discipleship in relation with salvation. Number three, ways in which we cannot imitate Christ. Then, discipleship is costly. And finally, the restored, perfected image of God 
through discipleship for Christ-likeness. So discipleship for the purpose of Christ-likeness. God's purpose for those that he has chosen for his glory is to be conformed into the image of Jesus. A very important component of every believer experience of salvation is growing into Christian maturity. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And the next text in verse 29 tells us the purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Christ's likeness. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So discipleship is the process of us individually growing into imitating Christ. And helping others to do the same. That's our task. We grow and we help, and we help others grow. We grow and we help others grow. So those that truly are in Christ will grow into being like Christ. Those that belong to God do not long for the things of the world, but instead replicate the character of Christ in their life and equip others for the same purpose. In other words, in other words, sorry, someone who is a disciple will also do and practice what his master did and will also assist others to grow in being like his masters. Romans 12:2 Do not be conformed to this word, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by tasting you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So those that got saved are predestined, God decided in his sovereign will, right? That they will grow, that they will be conformed into the image of his son. That's a decision that God has already done. So consequently, as a result, God's will and desire for his children, for us, is that we imitate Christ. That we do that. And in here, right, the Apostle Paul in, in, in 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, encouraged us to do exactly like that. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So encouraging to imitate Jesus should be a constant practice in the member of every local church. As Christ's disciples... Those truly saved by the grace of God do glorify God by the pursuing diligently that imitation of Christ in everything we do in our life. And that includes everything. Imitating the ways Christ practiced spiritual disciplines, right? He prayed, he he had Bible intake. He, 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 he had a devotion, a life of devotion to his father. 
and also imitating the way he, he obeyed the Lord and he also reached the lost. Ephesians 4, 12 to 16 says how we should be equipping one another into helping one another to imitate Jesus. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about that by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom, we, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, with which it is equipped, when each part, listen here, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Each one of us has to do our part properly, right? Maturity, holiness, sanctification, Christ-likeness, all of those are the goal of discipleship. and Synonym, the same thing. And sanctification is both, and at the same time, positional and progressive. It is positional in the way in which we are declared already saints in Christ. All of us that are in Christ are saints. God calls us saints. We are sanctified already. Because this is one of the benefits of being united with Christ. His sanctification. Already. We have that in us. So it's positional in that sense. But it's also progressive. As we still are in a fallen nature. Right? We are not still glorified. We are growing into being like Christ. We are progressing in that sanctification while we, while we are here. But it is very true, the fact that those that are united with Christ and are sanctified by Him in a positional manner are also growing in sanctification, into Christ-likeness, into imitating Jesus in a progressive manner. There is no way that one thing is without the other. God set believers apart from sin, providing the example of Jesus Christ, right? And supplying the power and resources in the Holy Spirit to lead Christians into deepening maturity and holiness. He supplies it too. He supplies the power. He makes us able to do it. It is impossible to grow into Christ's likeness without the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Disciples are, disciples then are responsible for putting into practice the tools of sanctification, also known as the mean of grace, the things that we have talked about, right? So we are responsible for putting into practice those things. We are responsible for praying, right? We are responsible for taking our Bibles and reading it every day, 
we are responsible for obeying what the Lord has said in the word. He gave us the power to do that. We are responsible for preaching the word to the lost. We are responsible for helping others that are in a, a smaller stage of growing than us. All of us are in different stages. We are responsible to help those that are in a lesser stage of growing than we are. Through the means of grace. These means of grace include or are not limited to prayer, reading and meditating on the scripture, fasting, the mortification of the flesh, right? Which is putting a sin to death through the word and through the Holy Spirit. Confession of sin to God and others. All of this in the context of imitating Christ as the master. Everything is about imitating Christ. Everything is about Christ-likeness. Remember that word that I want you to remember and meditate. Christ-likeness. It is also important to point out how complete human sinlessness or perfection in the Christian life is not possible in our current fallen, fallen nature. Believers grow in holiness, but perfection is not attainable in this world. Only Christ was perfect, and that's why only by faith in the God-man Christ and his perfect obedience, we are saved. Christ did not, Christ uh, did, sorry, what we could not do. Christ did what none of us are able to do, which is obey perfectly. Christ was perfect in all things at, at the same time, and every act of his obedience was substitutionary, like he did it for us in order to fulfill the law on behalf of his chosen people because we are incapable of perfectly fulfilling the law. And perfect fulfillment of the law is required for salvation. And because of the fact that only Christ did that perfectly, that's why we are saved only by faith in the one who did it perfectly, in Christ Disciples are called to imitate Christ's character and obedience, but only through Christ's work and substitution. Only in the context of, of being united with him, we can imitate him. Only in Christ alone, by Christ's power alone, for the glory of God alone, disciples can grow in imitating his character. So my goal and sincere prayer is that by the end of of this series, we are a little bit more determined to imitate Jesus. We, dis, you know, we intentionally decide that and pursue that and make every effort to do that. That we be more conscious of the reality that being a disciple of Jesus implies growing into being more like him. That we diligently strive and make every effort for more Christ-likeness in our life. Christ said in Luke 6.40, the following. A disciple, this is Jesus talking. A disciple is not above his teacher. But everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. My goal is that by the end of this series, we grow into praying more like Jesus personally and corporately, that we have a greater passion for reading and studying scripture deeply that we start incorporating a little bit more the discipline of fasting in our personal devotions that we confront and hate our sins more 
no matter what type of sin it is, all of us are, all of us struggle with specific sins, but we are called to mortify them, right? And be like Christ. But my prayer is that we mortify more and more the sins that we struggle with, growing in obedience to the commandments of Christ. My goal and prayer is that by the end of this series, we are more intentional in our Christ-centered relationship with one another. And finally, that we share the good news of the gospel more frequently with the lost souls, with the lost souls and, and, uh, uh, that are around us. So it implies a lot of things. And that's why we needed a few weeks for all of those things, right? Point number, point number two. Discipleship in relation with salvation. And as I said, these are, these are pertinent points that need to be discussed in, in these introductory sermons because there is a very fine line, especially in this point, discipleship in relation to salvation, with salvation, there is a fine line between discipleship and legalism, right? So it's necessary to make, you know, to, to, to clarify and, 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 and do something that I know all of you already know here. It is necessary to mention, right, few clarifications and considerations re, re, uh, related to the issue of discipleship, right? The first one is something that I think all of you, a great fellowship church, know, but need to be said anyway. We should never make the mistake of believing that we grow in imitating Christ in order to earn salvation. No. Salvation is a gift of God. We don't pray more for the purpose of deserving, earning, or gaining salvation. We don't read a scripture more or fast more for the purpose of deserving or earning salvations. Or we don't even obey more for that. There's not enough obedience we can do to earn what God gave us already as a gift. We don't do that to earn or deserve salvation. Instead, those who are already saved have the desire to grow in Christ-likeness, have the desire to imitate Christ, all because of the fact that God has already worked in their life in order to desire the things of God. So it's a result of a work of Christ in our life. We disciples want to be like Christ because of the word that he had already done. I'm going to read some verses. Jeremiah 31, 33b. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Ezekiel 36, 26. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my status and be careful to obey my rules. So you see, it is God who causes, who produces, who do that in us. It is God who does it. I will put, I will write, I will give you, I will remove, I will put my spirit in you. It is God's word for God's glory. And even in our efforts to grow in Christ's likeness, this effort and this 
intentional desire is the result of the work that the Holy Spirit has already done in us. And what is the res- I mean, what, what does that tell us? That all the glory is for God. All the glory is for God. He saved us and he is also the one working in our sanctification to make us more like Jesus. To make us more like Jesus. Nobody boasts. Nobody should boast, right? It's not a competition of who is praying more, who is reading more, or who is doing this or that more. God forbid us to do that, because none of us can do that enough to earn anything. It's just what we do as a result of God, of what God has done for us. So the God who saved us is also the God who sanctifies. And the Holy Spirit produces growth into maturity and Christ-likeness in his people. 1 Corinthians 6, 11, You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You were washed already. And as we read right in, in, in the, one of the readings today from Isaiah chapter 5, we see how that giving, that giving of fruit, right? That is all, that is what it's all about. Growing into Christ likeness, giving, giving the fruits of expressing the mirror of Jesus in our life because of what he has done for us. We are mirrors of the image of Christ. Now, so what we do, good works, is the result of what we are in Christ. I repeat that. What we do is the result of what we are in Christ. It is not that what we are, oh no, it is not that what we do is to be. It is to do, is to be to do. <laughs> what we do is the result of what we are. Christ does not produce, sorry, works does not produce salvation. Works are the result of receiving the unmerited gift of salvation from God. Scripture says in Titus 3, 5 to 7, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs, heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Amen. Not because of works, but according to his own mercy. Unfortunately, many throughout the church history, including in, 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 in these contemporary times, have made the mistake of perceiving discipleship teachings in a, in a legalistic manner. This is a terrible mistake. And this is nothing that I want us to think about in that way. Discipleship is not legalism. We do not obey to be saved. Again, our salvation is by grace alone. We read in Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. Everybody knows this by heart already. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. 
created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So you see here, the same Bible passages that tell us that we are saved by grace, tells us also that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are saved by grace to imitate Christ. We are saved by grace for Christ-likeness. We are saved by grace to growing into being like Christ. That's the purpose of our salvation. And when we do that, we glorify God. The more Christ is reflected in our life, the more we glorify God in our life. But salvation is of the Lord. Psalm 38, salvation belongs to the Lord. There's somebody named J.T. English who says the following. He's one of the, has written many books. The New Testament gives us the paradoxical picture that the Christian life is entirely of grace, but that we are also called to grow in that grace. Grace creates growth. Grace creates growth. Those who have received the grace of Christ also want to grow into being like Christ. Those who have received salvation by the grace of Christ also wants to grow into imitating Christ. So rather than obeying and growing in a legalistic manner, genuine disciples practice what Jesus commanded then out of love for God. And for others, out of love for God and for others, you shall love your Lord with your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Only after being recipients of the gospel by grace from God in new birth and regeneration, then the reception of the gospel creates a desire in disciples to grow in the gospel. Consequently, resulting in Christians who strain forward, who make every effort, who diligently pursue maturity, training themselves for godliness, holiness, and Christ-likeness. Point number three, ways in which we cannot imitate Christ. There are ways in in which we cannot be like Christ. And this is also pertinent to address, as we start today, this this biblical discipleship series. There are ways in which we cannot be like Christ. For example, we cannot be like Christ in his perfect obedience while we are here, right? Once we are glorified, we're gonna be we're gonna we're not going to be able to sing actually. We're not we, we will be we will not we cannot sin. We will can I say that? <laughs> we will not be able to sin. We will not, right now we can sin because of our nature, but once we are glorified, we will not be able to sin. So in our current nature, we cannot be like, we cannot be like Christ in his perfect obedience yet. We cannot be like Christ in his substitutionary atonement, right? We cannot be like Christ in his Divine attributes, that's very obvious, right? 
He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He is infinite. He is omnipresent. He is sovereign. None of us can be like Christ in that way. Because Christ is God. And we are not God. We are his creature. But there are ways in which we can grow in being like Christ. And this is in his character. In his character. In his in, in, in bearing fruits of salvation. At the same time, we as disciples of Christ also grow in obedience until one day in which we will be glorified and unable to sin no more. Unable to sin no more. While in this life on earth, the Holy Spirit works in us, sanctifying us by his power and enabling us to imitate Jesus, Paul wrote in Colossians 1, 9 to 14, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. That's the key one. God already has qualified us. Who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of, of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God has done it already, brothers. It is God and God alone who qualifies us to grow in imitating Christ in his character and fruits. First Peter 2, 1. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for a sprinkling of his blood. Number four, discipleship is costly. Discipleship is costly. So we have seen so far, discipleship for Christ-likeness, don't, don't forget that word, meditate on that, Christ-likeness, discipleship in relation with salvation, this is not legalism, this is a fruit of the work of God in us that should happen in those that are saved by grace. Number three, ways in which we cannot imitate Christ, and now discipleship is costly. And this is another pertinent point regarding this series, right? As we start, it is not easy to imitate Jesus. It is not easy to follow Christ. It is not easy. The word, the world is against us doing that. The devil is against us doing that. They, our own flesh doesn't want that. Like we have a great, a great crowd fighting our growing in Christ, right? It's not easy. It's costly. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 16, 24, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
In order to follow Christ, in order to be a disciple of Christ, in order to be an imitator of Christ, we need to deny ourselves. Christ-likeness requires self-denial. Steve Lawson, he's another author, in his writings asks the following, what will it cost you to follow Christ? And he answered, it will cost you showing to go your own way. So you, you know, it will cost you not going your own way. It will require that you no longer live for yourself. Instead of living for yourself, instead of me living for myself, we live for Christ. We do the things of Christ. We think about Christ in everything we do. So following Christ, being a disciple of Christ, imitating Christ, will cost us not to live for ourselves. It will cost you holding onto, onto your self-righteousness. It will cost you recognizing that you cannot be good enough or obeying enough or pray enough or do anything enough. It's only the righteousness of Christ. It will cost you the pursuit of the word. So in order to follow Christ, we need to abandon pursuing the things of the word. It is one or another. We cannot have two masters because we will hate one of the other, right? In order to imitate Jesus, in order to follow Christ, our mind should not be set in the things of the word. Our mind needs to be set in Christ, in his word, in growing into being like him, in imitating him Regardless of anything, regardless of mocking, regardless of sacrifices, regardless of losing things in this world, it's costly. But it could happen that we need to realize and the situations can come that we have to choose, right, between things or Christ. And a disciple of Jesus will follow and choose Christ. Following Christ costs all of this, and for many saints, it has also cost their own life. Uh, they have preferred dying rather than denying their faith in Christ. Just a few examples. Polycarp of Smyrna was a second century believer who was burned at stake, and he told his killers prior to his death, the proconsul's fire lasts but a little while. The fire of judgment reserved for the ungodly cannot be quenched. So if we have to suffer for Christ, it's temporary. It's better to suffer temporary than to suffer eternally in a place that you cannot go away from. So that was a very good argument by Polycarp of Smyrna, right? Perpetua Felicita, third century believers, preferred to die in the arena, suffering while being attacked by the wild beast and then slain by the sword rather than offering sacrifices to the emperor and denying Christ. And I didn't write it here, but actually these people died with their family, with their children, with their, with their parents, with their family, with the people they love. And it's not only the way that they did that that amazed me, it's the fact that they did that with joy and glad, like, they were dying for Jesus, being proud of doing that, because they take their life as nothing compared to earning Christ. 
And let me tell you something, brothers. Many others, Bishop Ignatius of Antioch, another one, another believer from the second century, also suffered for Christ. And look what he proclaimed. Now I am, look what he said as he was dying. Now I begin to be a disciple. Let fire and cross, flocks of beasts, broken bones, dismemberment come upon me so long as I attain Jesus Christ. This is just a few examples of genuine disciples that had denied themselves and were necessarily given their life for the sake of Christ. Dietrich Bonhoeffer explained what denying himself in discipleship entails. He wrote that self-denial is to be aware only of Christ and no more of self. To see only him who goes before and no more the road which is, which is too hard for us. All that self-denial can say is, he leads the way, keep close to him. He leads the way, keep close to him, regardless of anything. Paul, the Apostle Paul, says in Philippians 3.8, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So discipleship is costly, brothers. And, and being a genuine disciple of Jesus is costly. But at the same time, I want to remember, to remember you something that Lawson also said. Those who committed their life to Jesus have gained far more than what they gave up. You will lose your old life, but you will gain a new abundant life. You will lose this world, but you will gain a far better world to come. You will lose the passing of pleasures of sins, but you will gain far better joys in Christ. So what we have to gain is a lot better than what we can lose as we pursue our journey into growing and imitating Jesus. Last point. This is the last point I want to talk about you today that Christ likeness to uh, Christ likeness sorry the perfect the restored perf- perfected image of God through discipleship for Christ likeness The more we reflect the image of God the image of Christ the more we imitate Christ then we indeed exalt and glorify God in our lives as the purpose for which he created us was to glorify him in our life, to be reflectors of him, of, of, of his glory. Right, Genesis 1.27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We know that right throughout the history, there is a, a, an author called Hoke, Hopeman, that Hopeman, yeah, that you know he 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 talked about the doctrine of the image of God and put four things in that. He said prior to the fall was the original image. After the fall, the pervert the perverted perverted image through redemption in Christ, which is what we are right now, the re- renewed or restored image. 
and in the future with glorification, the perfected image. The original, the perverted, the restored, and the perfected. The fall in the Garden of Eden corrupted the image of God in humanity. The current stage of the believers in the church's redemption as believers are being renewed and restored toward the likeness of Jesus. Right then, believers are saved, justified, sanctified in Christ. But as Christ works in us, he is restoring the image of God through Christ in us. And this restoration of being in the image of God is only possible in Jesus Christ, in knowing him more and imitating him more. So as final words, conclusions and final words, uh, right? We that are saved grow into imitating Christ, into being like Christ, Christ-likeness. Go with that word today, home, Christ-likeness. We embrace imitating Christ based on our faith in Christ alone, not on, on any works we might do. Anything Christ-like that we do, it is done because of our faith in Him and the, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And as I said in the beginning, this is just an introduction, but we're going to start next week with the ways in which, with the practical ways, let's say, with the things that we're going to ought to to improve, uh, and which is the way in we, in we imitate Christ uh, in everything we do, uh, including, including practicing spiritual disciplines, including pursuing obedience, including being a disciple and also helping others to be a disciple. And remember these two things, right? A disciple is a disciple and help others to be a disciple. It's not only about us growing in these things, it's also about helping others to also grow in these things. It's a good thing that we have equipped him here. In these seven weeks, we can do a lot of equipping if we apply, you know, those things that we should imitate Christ and help others to uh, grow into at the same time. I just want to remember you two last, you know, two last verses, Second Peter 2, 5. Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, right? After clarifying that we are saved by grace alone, the Bible in many, many places tells us that we as Christians are not to have a passive life in terms of we just do nothing. We are called to do a lot of things in Christ. And not only do that, but we are called to make every effort. As Second Peter 2, 5 said, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. Brothers and sisters, make every effort. Christ, in, in, in Luke 13, 24, make every effort to enter through the, through the narrow door. This is in the in New International Version of the Bible. Make every effort. Make every effort. That is what you do, what I should do, in the process of imitating Christ. We should not be passive. We should not be giving up to sin, to we should be making every effort to imitate Jesus. We need to be active, diligent, and making every effort in growing to Christ's likeness. This is our part. Those saved by grace make every effort diligent, diligently in practicing godliness. Is your prayer life growing in Christ's ways? If your 
Bible intake growing in Christ-likeness way. If your obedience growing into being like Christ, is your sharing the gospel growing into being like Christ, is your love for your brothers growing into Christ's love for us. So many things, but we need to be making every effort into being like Christ. At the same time, and I say that, right, we do not rely on our own strength. Second Peter 2, 3-5, to His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We already have the power through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. You may feel weak. It's because you're weak. I am weak too, and I sometimes feel weak too. But if we remember by faith what is in us, that's a source of strength for us to make every effort in imitating Christ. So that's what I want you to encourage you to do, to be doers, not hearers. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. And uh, may God help us to, to, to be more like him in all the things that we're going to grow, that we can grow into Christ's likeness uh, and do that for his glory and through his power alone. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for uh, this, this truth that imitating you is what we are called to do. Be imitator of Christ. We, help, we ask for your help as we grow and as we learn in the ways in which we can be like Christ, as we learn Christ's likeness. Uh, we thank you for the, you have granted the power for us to grow into that. And especially these six weeks that are coming, in which we're going to learn ways in which we grow into Christ's likeness. We pray that all of us move a little bit more to the right, move a little bit more uh, to the right in terms of growing more and more into imitating Jesus. In the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.